Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It is time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Live and in color. Isn't that what they say? You may remember when, when color TV... Jamie wouldn't remember this one. Color TV started way back in the 1960s. They would come on at the beginning of it and say, live and in color. Well, we're live and in color from, uh, we're in Dallas today, and we're inside this massive hotel. It's I'm an hour behind, ahead of you, behind you. I'm an hour behind you, so it's like 6 o'clock here. I, I had this vast array of people that we could have brought on the show today. I some of the most famous people in the world. I happened to bump into Jamie. I said, Jamie, how about you? You, you he was the only one to get up in the morning. I make God build him up. He's the only guy to get up in the morning. We got some serious stuff to talk about here. So hang in there. Chad, Chad Estes is he's flying around here somewhere. I, we haven't seen him, but he texted me, said he was going to be here. So we have a little maybe a, some group discussions, some different stuff going on. Hey Myra, go ahead and pray for us, dear. Let's get uh, let's get the, let's set the mood here. Go ahead. Yes, coach. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Harold. How we doing? We're reading Philippians 4, 8. Finally, Britain, what, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatever, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think of these things. Romans 12. 13, 12 to 13, King James Version. The night is as far as spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drugness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Holy Spirit, you're welcome at Coach Dave Huddle. We read in Luke 9, 20, 962, King James Version. And just say unto him, no man having put his hand to the pot and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I release the love, the faith, and glory unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know what's going on here. They land on an airplane in here. <laughs> amen. UFOs. Chad just showed up. They started some Starbucks or whatever. Chad Estes is, hey, listen, so, so, uh, you know me, I don't have to waste time. I don't want to waste time. I've got an hour, less than an hour here with Chad and Jamie. Um, Jamie's a world traveler. We were, I was having this discussion. I was thinking about this. A generation. A gener- How long is a generation? Now, I don't want to get into theology and this generation shall not pass away and all that stuff, but I, you know, Jamie and I were just talking before before we went on the air here that generation used to be 20 years. Or if you think about your your, your great-great-grandparents, they were probably married at 16. Wouldn't you imagine? Probably, huh? Mm-hmm. Probably married at 16. They didn't have any porn or anything, so they wanted to have sex. So they got they got married at 16. And uh, then they were probably grandparents at by 40, at least by 40, right? And we look at what's going on across America today. They're not even, people aren't even getting married at 40. A lot of them aren't even getting married at 40. And to look around at the consequences of this generation. And I had somebody say to me the other day, uh, the greatest generation was not. The greatest generation was not. Because the greatest generation, that would have been my, my dad's generation, they conquered uh, Hirohito in Japan and they, con- they conquered Stalin. They conquered Hitler. They conquered the known world and lost their children. That'd be safe to say, wouldn't it? Yeah. That, no, was, I that, think that's that, very was, that was the hippie generation, right? The greatest generation created the hippie generation. Us. 
And uh, Jamie and I got on this topic because Jamie and I were, were talking here this morning about how we have so mischaracterized Christianity and what Christianity is supposed to be about. And if you walk into an average church and you begin to discuss Christianity, it, mean, it means one thing to Jamie. It means something entirely different to me. And it sure means something different to her. And it means something different to Chad. We've lost a central focus of Christianity and what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to do. And as a result, we are absolutely, totally, completely, we're adrift, man. We're adrift in this country. So we're here, the Watchmen, and this is always exciting to come. Because you get to see Paul Begley, and you get to see Jamie Walton, you get to see uh, L.A. Marzulli, and you get to see Coach Dave, and it's, you know, bringing all these experts to talk to us. And, God, we're in such, we're in such a freaking mess. We're in such a mess. And the reality of it is, I don't know how many people, probably 200, 300 people, maybe, I don't know. I haven't seen it because we start this morning. And to think of the power that's available just in those two or 300 people and how little we utilize that power. And if we were to sit, get all the people in the room and say, okay, here's what we're going to do today, we probably couldn't come up with it. We probably, they would, if, for a lot of people, if it required any self-sacrifice at all, they're probably not going to do it. That's, that's a jumping off point that I'm going to start with Jamie because uh, we had about a 10 or 15 minute discussion just shooting the breeze before we started here this morning. And I said, Dad, go on, save that stuff. Save that stuff. So, so let me let me jump off here. Let Jamie kind of jump off. And it is sort of a flea flicker Friday. Are you going to join us, Chad? You got the phone all over there? Well, you don't have to come over if you don't want to, but, you know, you, you're walking up. Yeah, well, we – so um, uh, what's happened to us? What, what the heck has happened to Christianity in America? What's happened, Jamie? Well, the reality is, is, like we were talking about off air, is that the the central theme of the generation and of this last late hour generation is that uh, we will be lovers of self. And, you know, we were talking about how so many of the baby boomers plus, they always go, all oh, the millennials and millennials, the generation, whatever, pick whatever acronym comes after the generation. It's their you know, they're, they're this and they're that. And it's like the bottom line is, and I've spoken to this at numerous conferences, that is learned. It is learned behavior. Learned behavior, folks. It does not operate in a vacuum. And <laughs> look, I, look, look at your kids and look in the mirror. Yeah. Well, I've always said the, the most narcissistic generation that triggered the love of self and the love of pleasure rather than the love of God, the unwillingness to endure sacrifice. Because here is the just, here's the juxtaposition of injustice, as they said, we just did endure so now we got ours. We're good to go. We will never oh, experience that World again. War One, World War Two generation, Vietnam, Korea, right? Yeah, we paid our price, and, they, and we, and and we deserve said, this. I got ours. Yeah. So, so the central theme of the sixty-five older plus is: I got mine. I managed my actuary perfectly. I uh, maneuver my finances perfectly. I was a good steward and I honored the Lord perfectly. So now I got mine mm-hmm. and I'm hands off. So I'm hands off spiritually. I'm hands off being the high priest of my household. I'm hands off being the high priest of my adult children and my grandchildren. Um, I don't care what they do because I got mine. And even a, a lot of the times the same thing goes spiritually. As they say, spiritually, I'm good. So I'm not really too concerned what mm-hmm. my my 20-something-year-old kids are doing or even my 40-something-year-old kids and how horribly they're destroying their marriages and how horribly they're running roughshod over their grandkids because they're narcissists and you go where does that learn that's learned brother that's learned it's all the 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 um highest echelon of christianity that i was trained that you could achieve is an upper middle class income good stewardship good stewardship of your money upward mobility you're always pursuing upward mobility and um, you serve in children's ministry. Mm. If you could check those boxes, you are a top-tier Christian. And the accumulation of stuff at the end the of accumulation the accumulation of stuff. And the reality is, is that all of it is antithetical and antagonistic to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I was never told was, if you want to be unified with Christ, you must suffer with Christ. What I was never told is, you do not love the world or the things of the world because any, the love of the world, if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of the father is not in you. I was not told that friendship with the world is enmity towards God. That's bitter rancor, forcible hatred against God. If you love the things of the world and, and the aspects of the world. And I, what I was not told is that in this life, you should anticipate 
persecution, suffering, mocking, scoffing, and reviling for the name of Jesus Christ. I was taught that you can be all things to all people, which means you reduce the gospel, you reduce the truth, and you go along to get along. So, and Just so, and, do not suffer. Whatever yeah. you do, don't suffer. So the accumulation of stuff is evidence of the blessing of God, then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Well, that's, that's if, you're, if you're really a good Christian man, you end up at the end of your life with a lot of stuff. You may have you may have a home paid off, and then you may have a retirement home right. or a condo. Second home. Have. Oh, you can do an addition on your house. Oh, yeah. You can get a fifth-wheel camper and a dually uh-huh. because that's what you do. Like, you've earned that. So right. you get a fifth-wheel camper and a dually, and then you can totally detach from any obligation of serving God and your family as a high priest. And, and as a result of it, you can – yes, this is this is a ticket. You can let your grandchildren go to public school so that your daughter-in-law can work to earn yep. more stuff because that's the Christian way right. to do it, isn't it, Jamie? Well, you're being loving. You're being a yeah. loving grandparent by the making sure. Of God. We all right. want the blessings yeah. of God to come upon us, yeah. right? And the Lord and, blessed her with a nice job. And yep. so let somebody else take care of the kids See, we while re- grandma and grandpa go down the road and they're winning a yep. right? So what we've, we've done is yep. we've reduced the gospel. We've reduced the gospel to a counterfeit perverse notion of stewardship wow. so well, two things. we reduce the gospel to friendliness and stewardship <laughs> and only in america is that the way christianity has walked out uh, i've i've been with our radiant brothers and sisters in syria and iraq and levant i've seen our radiant brothers and sisters all around the world i've engaged with them i've suffered with them i stood beside them and our understanding of christianity would they like the lord god himself it would be hot vomit in their mouth mm. and they would spit us out because they'd counted the cost. See, we've actually said that there is no cost in being a Christian. In fact, it's a way to be socially yeah. networked. Yeah. It's it's actually yeah. a stepping stone to claim cultural Christianity. Sort of like being a Mason, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah right. Getting the right so. church and you get, get lined up. Folks, I remember a story that, uh, I'm, I'm not a story, truth. It goes back about 20, I was, I was young in the ministry, really thought I knew everything and didn't know nearly as much as, as I know everything now, <laughs> but uh, I was having, I was at a breakfast for breakfast and uh, so I a speaker from South Africa, Jamie, he was a, he was a missionary of South Africa. He was from, I take that back. He was from South Africa, missionary of America. Okay. Didn't say that right. And at the conclusion, I'll never forget. I'll never forget what he said to the, to the crowd. He said, please don't send any more missionaries to my country. Mm-hmm. Don't send any more missionaries to my country because the Christianity that you bring to my country is not the Christianity that my people can live, <laughs> right? No, it's not. We saw the same thing, you know. I, for those of you who don't know me, um, besides other different disciplines, I was a missionary in the Dominican Republic for several years, and it was the most disgusting display of the making the whole world drunk with immorality that I've ever seen. And it was the American Christian missionaries in the Dominican Republic. They were the ones that were getting arrested for buying young girls at the beaches. They were the ones where two college girls come down on mission field and they leave as lesbians. They were the ones where I saw the head of almost every major organization from kids alive to whatever, whatever, you know, all the big ones, YWAM and all that. Um, being adulterous affairs with Dominican girls within the first six months of being uh, down there when they're down there with their wife and kids, like over and over and over again. And what I didn't hear, because we were a hub for missions teams, is I ne- I heard one team out of 50 plus teams that came down there on short term missions trips that we would host at our campus. One out of 60 plus in two years use the name of Jesus. Even mm-hmm. you just use it, period. Speak it, utter it. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Insane. And so I go, when I look at the reality of, we were talking about this off air, is that we have systematically forfeited like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We have deliberately, willfully, this is Second Peter 2, they deliberately forget that the same God who judged the earth by deluge is coming again to judge it by fire. It's deliberate. It's willful. Knowing the truth, they did not retain or give God the honor and retain the knowledge of God. So knowing it, it's this deliberate forfeiture. We have deliberately forfeited every blessing, provision, and protection. We know better, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've forfeited it. So even when you go through the Beatitudes, simply the Beatitudes in Matthew five, we have systematically forfeited everyone. So let's do it. Let's do do it. Okay. So folks uh, sit down, relax for a minute. Uh, Because Jamie gave me about, 
five minutes. Chad, I want you, I want you to be part of this discussion over here. Just sit, Chad's sitting over there. He's got up early and I won't let him on and be mad at me. Um, he's updating his, J- Jamie he's taking was, selfies. Uh, J- <laughs> uh, I wish I had the wisdom Jamie has when I was his age. My, my uh, world might be different. The people that I uh, was able to impact, they might be different. I have a different approach to it. But Jamie was said how we've, how we've, <clears throat> Jonathan, pull up uh, the Beatitudes. That would be Matthew chapter five, five and beginning. Uh, just throw that on the screen because Jamie was saying to me before we went live, uh, we've blown it all, right? On the screen says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. He was set. His disciples came unto him. That's why I tell people the Sermon on the Mount was to the disciples, Jamie. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't to the multitudes, no, right? No, it wasn't. He, said to the, he said to the disciples, he called them to me. He says, come up here with me, boys. Mm-hmm. And he gave them an opening. He said, look, here's what it's going to be. He says, you're going to go down that hill here in a second, and you're going to start dealing with all those people, and this is what, it's, this is what you're going to see. And we think the Sermon on the Mount was preached to, I don't, at least I don't think it was. So he opened his mouth, and he taught them, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they all shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it changes to blessed are you, men shall revive. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. But Jamie, take us down through that and show how our rejection of those blessings have, have impacted us. Yeah, we've, we've systematically, like I said, deliberately and willfully chosen because of our parentage. This is why when you see Nehemiah, right, when he's going to rebuild the wall, he goes before Artaxerxes. He says some of the exiles returned from Jerusalem and he told them the state that Israel's and he said that it's that it's stones are charred and its gates are burned with fire. That's a perfect testimony of the church. And he goes, woe is me, God. And what is the prayer of Nehemiah? Same thing in Daniel as he goes down the list and he says, forgive me for my forgive my father's sins. That's what he starts confessing before the Lord. He starts repenting Nehemiah because he knows the reason why Jerusalem has fallen why the stones are on the ground and why its gates are burned with fire is because of the sins of his parentage. Driving the, driving the Winnebago down yeah. floor. So he says, forgive, forgive this, forgive this, forgive And then he goes to himself, right? He works his way down, and me too, because I failed. There's rubble, and I haven't done anything about it. The, the walls are low. The enemy is mocking us and scoffing us. There's no defensive perimeter, and we're so used to seeing the rubble all around our house that nobody even does anything about it. Mm. You just get used to it. Like, I didn't have cabinet doors for nine years in our cabinets. Because I took them off and said, I'm going to replace them. But after a couple months, you get used to them. I mean, and everybody go, you don't have cabinet doors. And they'd say, oh, I don't even notice. It's a new style, <laughs> I don't even notice right? anymore. Yeah, right? So like, so the same thing. But yeah, when you look at blessed are the poor, like we will not. Jonathan, allow. scroll back up there, Jonathan. Blessed are the script about verse two. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple when, when we think about it in context. We won't allow ourselves to be poor in spirit because we've been told if you're poor in spirit, you must not have enough faith and you must not love God and you should be. A positive, encouraging Caleb. Mm. So if you're not, so we won't, we won't be, we forfeited that. We won't be poor in spirit. We won't mourn. But, but, so but therefore we won't So be Jamie, comforted. if we're not poor in spirit, then we're not, we don't have the kingdom of God, right? That, that's, that's the counter, right? Right. right. I yeah. say this all the time. People go, man, you walk around with a heavy load. And I'm like, uh, let's see, Lot when tormented in his righteous soul, tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard in the city day and night. The Lord knew how to rescue them. It says, it says in Ezekiel 9, God saw those who were weeping for the sins of the city. And he said, put a mark on their head. They're not to be God says that that he um, He loves those who fear the Lord, but who hate and revile the disgusting man. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord hates wickedness. And so there should be this degree of mourning, of weight, of being poor in spirit because you're looking around going, what the heck yeah, is going on? What is the message now, though, Jamie? No. You're better. And so now there's no sacrifice. There's no dying unto self. It's it's more of like uh, drawing attention to self and how wonderful, how great thou art. But really, we think that song's about us, not about the Lord. This is a problem. This is our problem. So coming back here, Chad, is what, uh, what Jamie's talking about. Yeah, yeah, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What if you're no. not poor in spirit? Then, then you don't have the kingdom of God. No, because here's what it testifies to. 
is that you actually, no matter what Christianese language you think you get to get away with using, you actually love the world and the things of the world. And so we are assured <laughs> that then the love of the Father is not in you. Mm-hmm. So if the kingdom of God is your, you are born spirit, you hate the brokenness, you hate the sparingly. Listen, one of the highest forms of love is is not hate. It's in difference. It's correct. Yeah. yeah. So that one of God hates so many things. Why? Because he is love. Wow. So one of the highest forms of love is hate. Yeah. But but the 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 um, antagonist of love is apathy, complacency, indifference. It doesn't care. It well, doesn't care one know, way or the other. You know, if you think about it, you know, see, the opposite of love is not hate. Mm-hmm. The opposite of love, where well, I say it, is lust. Yeah, is lust. And it's like you know, I, I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to use my love tonight. They want their lust. Mm-hmm. You know, see, this is the thing. If you, if you do a spectrum comparison, black and white comparison between Christ, what he Okay, and what the other side is, so he is truth, the other side is lies. So you're going back and forth. Yeah. Okay, and that's they say, Who am I? Who is the Lord? And who do I and, and do I have these characteristics? That's what I think. Yeah, but the Lord you know, oh, well, I'll get this on the road. <laughs> you haven't yet, so well, I that. think the, you said <laughs> love and hate. The the great uh, the greatest uh sin I think is indifference, right? Because the Lord, Lord Himself said He wishes that you were hot mm-hmm. or you were cold, but if you're indifferent, we'll spit you right out of right. my mouth, right? Right, because you know, and I and I know that you could testify to this too. Is that people that are hot or cold, people that are unbelievably angry at the Lord? I go, I'm not worried about you, because you got there's there's like you want the answer. And you're you're mm. searching for, it. and so you you're impassioned even at your defense against God. I go, I'm not worried about you, and the, and and so a person who's who's cold against the Lord, and they're and they just seem so angry. I go because you want to know that you know that you know that it's true because you've been failed, mm. and you know same thing on a person who's hot for the Lord. Like I will die for my King. You go, you're good to go. Mm. But the person who goes to church and says I'm wealthy and in need of nothing, oh. Uh, I, I, I seem to remember. It's like, that's, that's the spirit of latency in churches. They say, no, I'm, uh, I'm doing like I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm wealthy and I need enough. It's so like that posture. It's like Jeff Klein said to us the other day about used cars, right? There's nothing worse than going buying a used car and getting it home, finding out it's a lemon, right? Because when you buy the used car, you want to know whether it's good or it's bad. You want to know whether it's hot or it's cold. You don't want to have to be guessing as to whether this thing's going to happen. Well, and you know, you know what's central to what's central to indifference. And this is why it's so detestable to God is self-preservation. So the reason why somebody chooses indifference or the perversion of the verse to be all things to all people is because it's all centered on self-preservation. So what do you call somebody who's self-preserving? You call them a coward. Right. A coward is all about it's centered on self-preservation. But what you have in the scriptures is you have the authentic, the authenticating factors of the redeemed of the Lord, of the spirit of God in you is that you die to self. There is no self-preservation. <laughs> you die to self. That's right. You're poured out. You're unrestrained. You suffer. You're willing to be mocked, scoffed, reviled. You go to prison. You'll go to the sword. You'll do whatever yeah. because there's no self-preservation. Who overcomes the Antichrist? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the and love, love, their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it. Uh, Who's the first ones thrown into the lake of fire? Careful and unbelieving. See, cowards. Look, look this is, they're, they're I, think, you know, I think you touched on a good point there that lukewarm, the lukewarm folks, mm-hmm. okay? That's also, to me, what I see, they're potential traitors. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. because they're able to say, they're looking at what side of the fence they want to be on, and they can say, well, yeah, I'm, <clears> I, I do believe, but if it gets too rough, then I'm going to go over here to this mm-hmm. team. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. And that's what I, Playing that's the what Lord's saying. Uh-huh, I see. So you want to be that way. That, that's why I say, yeah. even our enemies, even our enemies in war, in war and stuff like that, they have more respect for the actual soldier that fights rather than the guy that's that's a traitor. It's funny. I, I wrote about that in my book about <laughs> that. This offense in a military is treason because you're the laughing stock to one and you're the source of mockery to the other. Uh-huh. So the enemy that received, this is what the powers of darkness want, is the men of God to be treasonous towards their commander-in-chief and the captain of their salvation, Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants are. you to be treasonous. Yeah. Because 
the powers of darkness go, you idiot fool. You think we're ever going to let you, like, we know you're a traitor. You think we're going to give you. Well, I say, hey, if you, betray, if you will betray your own country, certainly yeah, you will betray us. Exactly. And I'm like, so, <laughs> so, so this is why all the scriptures about you can't drink from the cup of Christ and the cup of Belial. What fellowship is there between righteousness okay. and lawlessness yep. and dark and light? Yep. And you can't be a friend of the world and. And think that you're not going to be an enemy of God because you are treasonous towards your standing. Okay, so, so folks, listen. You remember the old commercial? At least they used to do it in Ohio. I was going to say here in Ohio, but I'm in Texas. This, they advertised one that years ago when they tried to get you to buckle up. Remember that? You guys, nah, maybe I'm showing my age, Chad. But they, they had that commercial. Um, <laughs> what's holding you back? That was that was the, that was the catch line at the end of the they'd show a car and reckoning at the end of yeah. buckle and come together. What's holding you back? Because they want you to buckle up. But the truth of the matter, what Jamie is touching upon here, is what's holding you back. And the truth of the matter is, it's probably some form of selfishness, fear, cowardice that is really holding you back. All of us from becoming really what it is that the Lord would have us to become at this time and this place in which we find us. And you know this, folks, that we hear people talking about the, reading in the book of Revelation about those whose heads were cut off, right, who were martyred. And the rea- we don't want to really go to the reality of, of what that really is telling us because if you believe in the end time, now, you think you're going to be raptured out and not have to go through that? Well, the whole Faith Hall of Fame is about people <laughs> who went that extra mile. And if we're going to real see real change in the nation for our children and our grandchildren, that change ain't happening in the Winnebago, well, baby. It ain't change. happening in the Winnebago. So it's going to, it's, going to, it's not, change is not going to come without some form of self-sacrifice. And, and, force. See, yeah. and see, we think right now that, that that change is going to come through. Well, we're worried about the gas prices are high now. My goodness, can you believe those gas prices? And, I, prices. Right? Folks, that, that ain't nothing compared to probably what this thing, where this thing is heading. I told Jamie, I'm, I'll be 60, I'll be 70 years old next birthday. I'm 69 going on 70. And, and I've never been overseas. Never been overseas, and I don't really want to. But the perspective we have here in America is not a perspective of the world, and that's what I admire so much about Jamie is because he spent so much of his his formative years, early adult years, in a foreign country. Not only in a foreign country, but literally contending in a foreign country. And that's one of the things that we lost when we did away with the draft. And I don't even go there, but uh, that used to be an honorable thing that you would go and you would serve your country. Now we have an all volunteer military. And can I tell you the truth? Most of them volunteer for the benefits they're going to get out of it. The GI Bill and they look good on the resume and uh, they don't really have anything. So, uh, God, what's holding you back? Huh? Other than you. What's holding you back? Hey, look, Chad's trying to run my show again. Yeah, I'll take some. I'll take some calls here. Hang on. Go ahead, Dale. You're first up there. <laughs> Amen, brother. Appreciate you, brother. You were a blessing unto the kingdom. And brother, you know one of the things when you start reading Matthew chapter five was unique. I I shared out of this two weeks ago. The Sermon on the Mount not only was written to his disciples, but brother, we failed to negotiate this idea. Text out of text taken out of context is nothing but a pretext or a lie. The Sermon on the Mount is three chapters: is chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. So Jesus wasn't just trying to get these few passages of Scripture across. It's it's the continuation of all three of those things. And when you start reading it, brother, you know what? You're right about that seatbelt. You know what we become? We become seatbelt. We have become the self seatbelt. We think we can save ourselves. We sing songs like Jesus Take the Wheel. What the heck are you doing driving your life in the first place, right, brother? I mean, come on. Jesus is my co-pilot. What a lying crap pile of junk is that? Brother, we have we have we have lessened the kingdom because we see the kingdom through our own perspective. And this is what we do. This is this is American Christianity, brother. And I agree with you. I have been overseas. I have been to Central America. I think every Christian should go into another country and see what Christianity really looks like and realize what a selfish pile of junk we really are. Love you, brother. It's, it's destroyed. Uh, 
my my uh, my son, I think he's his name. He's, he we're having a discussion. He said, "Dad, the greatest generation was the most selfish generation." He says now they own all the houses, they own all the buildings, they own all the Winnebagos, and then a guy like me come along trying to uh, get a job and raise a family. I'm trying to do the same thing, right? He's trying to he's trying to accumulate all that right. stuff, but he can't accumulate it all because we've accumulated it all. We bought it all out of inflation to destroy everything and priced them right out of the market. So <clears throat> the Lord's going to take away from us those things that uh, we think are important. It's the only way he can to get to our heart. Jim, come on in. Then Alan. Morning. Um, the the church and, and the world, for that matter, will always return to carnality. Oh, I sent you an email coach. Uh, Myself and another brother were at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in the town of Aaron uh, yesterday, and uh, everybody is out there drinking, having a good time. Um, had a conversation with a couple of uh, Christian women um, who were, you know, partying, and you know they they came under a spirit of conviction, but instead of you know, being humble, they were more, you know, the, how the hairs on the back of your neck will stand up when you're confronted. Yep. And uh, so but it, it was a good day. We handed out and talked to a lot of people, uh, gospel tracks, and uh, it was a good day. Good. Good for you, man. Good for you. By the way, David Hawkins walked in. Kevin Van Story's over there. We got a Betty Perkins is here. I'm going to, we got a lot of, got a lot of good SLBs out here. That's what we are in the chat. SLBs. Yeah. Some call us SOBs, but I was going to say, that's a good letter change. <laughs> What's yeah. up to Alan? Come on in there, Alan. Then, then Dr. Great, man. <laughs> hey, good morning, coach. I'm uh, proud of all you guys. Glad everything you guys are doing. Just to hit on that trader thing, just a minute. When we look at Peter's life, when he was in the flesh, before he was converted and filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus rebuked him. And we just got to look at these these folks as traitors, as filth, as fearful. Coach, they've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. They don't even know what that word even means. They're afraid that's to even true. say that word. True. And, and that's what we're looking at. I mean, if you look at Peter's life before, Jesus told him. He said, Peter, when you be converted, strengthen the brethren. Until he that's was right. converted and filled with the Holy right. Ghost, he couldn't strengthen nobody, including that's himself. Right. There's nothing, Alan, there's nothing less powerful than Christianity without the Holy Spirit, in my, in my, in my opinion, right? Any, any notice what Peter's first sermon was after being filled with the Holy Spirit? And it says, with many other words, he warned them. He warned them, save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. About 3,000 numbers were added to this. There you go. His, shared too, is like, well, keep your eyes on Jesus as yep. they're dragging him off. Don't get struck. His, his, first, his first sermon wasn't about how the the joys how much jesus loved them and how much jesus loved them the joys what or that the first sermon was about the fact that you were one you were a son of wrath you were a son of disobedience you were an heir of wrath and now in christ jesus Mm. you're you have sonship you have an inheritance being kept in heaven for you a real one and save yourself from this crooked hey folks this kind of preaching will build the real church amen Uh, you understand what i'm telling you it may not build a big one no but it'll build the real one. Dr. Paul, come on in. I'm a recovering Catholic, but we used to have this concept in medicine when I was a seminarian of uh, chastity, poverty, and service. And every one of those, if you look at the Pope, chastity, uh, I don't think so. He's promoting homophobe or whatever. The the sodomites, poverty doesn't exist. Um, and service definitely doesn't exist. So we're in a mess. But I'll tell you something. The best time I ever had is overseas watching kids that have nothing but a can to kick. Because they're the happiest kids in the world. And I'll tell you something. If you haven't gone and see real poverty, they're the happiest people in the world. Oh, grateful. And, and let me give this context, too, because this is the reality. Like, the Lord's burdened me to prepare the uh, American Christians, the authentic believers in Christ, to, to operate as an underground church. And our brothers and sisters in Iran, the first day somebody comes into the saving grace of Christ, from Shia Muslim, usually that's the, the majority um, Islamic sect over there, they come into the faith and they, they receive Christ. Their first meeting, study the underground church, their first meeting 
that they talk about is not all the blessed joys in this life that they get to have in Christ. Their first meaning is here's what you need to resolve in your heart and spirit as they're raping your wife in front of you, as they're gangbanging your wife on, and they're going to rape you and your friends in front of one another, just to shame you, just to shame you. And then they'll walk away smiling. They said, here's what you have to resolve to do. If you can entrust your soul to Christ Jesus, can you entrust your body to him? That's their first meeting that they have at Bible study. You need to resolve and have counted the cost. If you entrust him with your soul, don't you think you can entrust him with your body as well? Because this is where it's heading, right? Because this is is the expectation. Welcome to the faith. Here's the expectation. Count the cost. Count Mm. the cost. That's what Christ Jesus told his disciples. That's what Christ Jesus prayed for all those who would come after him as he was in Gethsemane. That's what the message of Paul was. That's what the, the Pauline epistles were. The epistles of the other apostles were. It was centered on no one understand your identity in Christ alone, the hope of glory and the suffering that it requires because you will be united with Christ in it. It testifies that you do not belong to this world. It testifies that you have nothing in this world that you value. And it's only an eternal perspective in the kingdom that you value. It testifies to something when you suffer. So when you forfeit any mode of even sorrow about sin or the world or the blah, 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 the curse and fall, like, when you for it is it is testifying to something as well too. It testifies to what kingdom you belong to. And we'll scroll down a little bit up there, Jonathan, if you can. And if you'd like to hear the rest of Jamie's message, <clears throat> tickets are still available. <laughs> Keep going a little bit farther down, Jonathan. Get on down to about the eleven, twelve. I think. There, here we go. Blessed are you. I always like to show this, and when they talk about the Beatitudes, they start out, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. And then in verse 11, it goes to blessed are you. Changes the pronoun. See that, folks? Blessed are you when? When you get to get a Winnebago and drive to Florida and stay out of the winter weather in Ohio? No. Blessed even men shall revile you, persecute you. Say all manner of evil against you false for my sacred joys. Be exceedingly glad for great is your reward. In heaven, for so persecuted prophets which are before you, you are the salt of the earth. That's the joy that the church won't teach. What's the joy? The persecution is the joy. The, the joy and be the, worthy. And rejoice and be, be exceeding glad because your reward, the joy is the reward for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Yeah. Not for the joy in this world, not for his past successes, not right. for the past things that he'd seen his father do on his behalf. It was for the joy set before him that Christ, mm. and it says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Because the reward. So therefore, you can be blessed. So, so therefore, rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice in your sorrows. Count it all a joy, my, my brothers. I mean, think when, of all the scriptures. You, so listen, here's the truth. Just because the devil's after, just because you're going through a tough time or persecution doesn't necessarily mean it's the devil, folks. No. <laughs> it's a right. training session. Well, Do you understand that? consequences for our decisions. Right. Sometimes it's just straight up your flesh, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. Judges 3, 1 through 3 says, these are the nations that God left around Israel to test those who had not yet known warfare, mm. that they might know warfare, mm. that each generation would know how to fight. There's only one way to be a freaking warrior. That's to get in the fight, right, Chad? You don't get to claim that title because you you joined the army and you, and you were in supply. That ain't a warrior, homie. Like you got to get in a fight to earn the title of being so called the, a warrior. The right? second most uh, uh, film I love, Rocky, original Rocky. I want you to think about it. If you guys all watched that, saw that. Remember when Rocky put that great big pole over his arm and was running down? Remember that? Oh yeah. Huh? He's right? working out in the barn. Right. right. Cause it, now, see, look, listen, Russians. listen. He wasn't complaining that it was hard. He knew that the toughness was part of what he had to go through to get what he wanted to accomplish. The reward. It's the reward of working towards that. Throw another brick on me. Throw another brick on me. Make me do it. That's what a good football coach does. Those guys don't want to run sprints. Mm -hmm. When I say get down on a goal line, blow the whistle, they take off. And you know what they're thinking the whole time they're running? How many? How many is he going to make us do? How many? And they would get up at the line, and they would they would all be breathing up, bending over, trying to make me feel bad. And they want me to make him quit, right? And I said, "Listen, where we're, we're, we're gone, where we're gone, we got to do more. Where we're gone, we got to do more." And I blow that whistle again. Oh, that's your Friday night. You'll thank me Friday night. See, not all persecution is bad, folks. No. I, I remember the day we took Baghdad, so 03, 
right, as Sergeant Marine Corps Infantry, the day we took Baghdad, I was looking for my company commander, and I said, he's over in that Amtrak, you know, calling jets and stuff like that. <laughs> and I go and knock on the back of the Amtrak, and my the, he's a major. He opens the door. He's got his, he's been chewing coffee grounds out of the MRE. His teeth are all black. And he's like, hey, Walden, what's going on? How are your Marines doing? I'm like, we're we're squared away, sir. We're ready for a freaking fight. Let's keep going. And he said, uh, he said, no, for real, how you're doing? And I said, I'll never forget this because it's changed my paradigm. And I said, I got to be honest with you, sir. This is the easiest thing I've ever done yet in the Marine Corps is fight this war. It was the easiest thing I'd ever done yet. And he goes, now do you understand? <laughs> and what he was saying, do you understand why we do this? Why we yes. do what do you understand why we make you go without sleep? Why we uh-huh. make you go without food? Why we push you hard? Why we train to what your logistics right. are cut off? You're surrounded on all sides. You're out of way. Yeah. And all he had to say was, now do you understand? Yeah, and you did, right? And I did because I said that this fight was the easiest thing I've done yet. The training for the fight was difficult. So when the fight was there, when the fight was in front of you, and this but is why because, I used Why? Because you were you were prepared. Yeah. Okay, and you had were uh, some, been submerged into situations already that were, you know, far potentially far greater than what you, you really experienced. Yeah. So, you know, that mean that, look, why are we not doing that for the kingdom? For the kingdom, because we were, mm. we're, we're because we ain't doing it for the kingdom. We're chasing flesh, like, <laughs> no. like, like an RV and stuff. Right? And here's what we were talking about off air: is what we have absolutely unequivocally forfeited in the American churchianity is faith, walking by faith, not by sight. Is literally surrendering all, dying it all, dying to all, throwing it all off, unrestrained. The Lord has been unrestrained for us. He threw it all off. He bankrupted the glory of heaven. He sent His Son. Why in the world do we we put these glass pots around the Lord and we say, I'll come this far, but no further. I'll, I'll come this far in faith that, Lord, I want to retain a sense of uh, health so, insurance, uh, mm. you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, we, have, we have quintuple redundancies of self-preservation and perfection of outcomes built into every decision we make as an American Christian. That's right. That that's is right. not faith. And we have forfeited faith, and my righteous we, ones will live by faith. Need, I, faith. I think, I think what you're saying in a nutshell is we, our faith needs to be we're on a high wire without a net. Absolutely. Mm. And we faith it or not. Yeah, we're and, there and or I'm, not. I'm waist deep. You're all I'm waist deep <laughs> in testosterone this morning. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on in, Michelle. <laughs> well, hey, good morning, team. And um, Jamie, thank you uh, for your service and everything. And yes, it's gone. He's a pussy. <laughs> we, 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 uh, it just means a kid. Where is Joel? Y'all been hanging out with Joel Osteen? He's been yeah. hanging out there. <laughs> anyway, he, people like Joel Osteen, they, they trick you into um, this self-centered Christianity. That's yep. exactly what you brought up. And they never tell us, they never challenge us, and they never tell us that we have a responsibility to the Lord. And then... The one in the million that that separate and get it, um, we have to relearn everything uh, yeah, relating to what's valuable. Um, and what you were t- speaking about the the poor in spirit versus the treasonous in spirit. Um, these luke the lukewarm, it, they were really warned that being lukewarm is a poison. And uh, the, Jesus said he would vomit them out of his mouth because yeah. I think these people were warned because they know of God, and it would be worse for them because they knew and rejected his glory. So, um, Amen. Well, we, listen, it is. And that goes back to the fallen angels. They, because they knew him in full, they saw him in full. They knew the fullness of all of his attributes and they deliberately chose to reject them. So it's that's the why same, there's no, it's the same, for the same thing in Hebrews. Like <clears throat> having known, you've known, you know, you have the fullness of the word Christian. Yeah. You have you have freedom. You have access, American Christian. You know you have the fullness of the revelation. It says the mystery of the gospel has now been made known to you. The things that the prophets and the angels long to look into, you get to know in full, and you still treat it as something contemptuous. I hate it when Jamie takes over my show. <laughs> just kidding. Kevin Van Story came wobbling up in here too. We want to make sure. What do you got to say? I'm speechless right now. <laughs> I'm just, boom. Testosterone, baby. Testosterone. <laughs> David Hawkins. Up. Hello? Mm-hmm. All right. He came wandering in here this morning. Yeah. we got some pretty women hanging around. And it's not just me. It's not just me. <laughs> 
Tell us a story, not your life story. Joe Allen, come on in. Coach, you described how we fight so much for not being a few, but trying to be the multitude. Like the Christians are with your stick man syndrome, yeah. with the big head and the small body and not doing nothing. Yep. And in 21 different countries I've been overseas, all you see is people that cherish the sandals they have on their feet and the clothes on their back. And we come in here in the Christians in the United States, the houses are on top of each other. You can't even drive a vehicle through. That's right. That's right. And then we get guys like Jamie Walden complaining because they had to pay three dollars for Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when you got two Marines there, you need a Navy guy. I don't know about that. Well, we don't have you know. we don't we don't need transportation you anywhere. Chad was a Marine. Yeah. Marine. Yeah. Just remember what it says on the bottom of your seal, Marine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I Joe. I'm, listen, I'll get you your own show later on. Reggie, come yeah, on. Uh, good job, Joe. Good job, Joe. So welcome to the jungle, Joe Allen. Um, <laughs> Jamie, I met you last year, and, and I was like, I want to tell you, when you speak, there, I see it. You, you have an anointing. It's in the spirit. You have an anointing on the words that come out of your mouth. And when I, I did meet you briefly, but I said, I'm going to know him. And Jesus said, no, not yet. But I'm, I'm going to. I already know this. So you and I are going to work together one day. But um, I, wanted, I wanted to tell you um, I want to back up what you're saying. So the Lord, when you, I have people that call me, can you show me how you do this? Can you teach me how you do this? Can you? And I said, no, you just got to do it. So when I was at a very young age, I learned the Band-Aid method by Jesus himself. So I always tell you, you just got to rip it off. So when I started serving the Lord coming out of some darkness that I was subjected to, I literally said, whatever it takes, God. And I was living on the high horse at that time. And yeah. whatever it takes. And within three months everything i ever knew to be part of what i thought was my life was stripped gone but he taught me and he was able to empty me out to fill me back up and you know fighting that war there is such a a, a reward for it i can only imagine well like you know god i don't want to think about it but if i'm martyred the reward that's going to come for that. You're but gonna I die anyway. Doesn't matter whether you get martyred or not. You're going to die, Reggie. I hate to break the news to you. I'm going to keep fighting. Yeah, there ain't nobody got out of life. Well, and really, really, the only and this is again goes back to counting the costs. Is like the Lord has to utterly crush and reduce you. You have to go through Gethsemane in Golgotha, Calvary, before you get to the empty tomb, right? Like there's a process, the crushing and reduction. And it's and the reason why God is so good to crush you is because he's actually satisfying the desire of your heart, which is to glorify him. Amen. And if he doesn't get you out of you, you will take glory for yourself. Got to get you out of you. That's a good line. It sucks, so, it sucks going through it. But when you see it, you're like, ah. He's got to get you out of the way, just like he did with Joseph or with Moses or with David or with Esther. With It's all about the crushing and reduction so that at the appointed time, if if or when he chooses to use you to exalt his name in the land or before the kings of the earth, you don't take one ounce of glory for yourself. But see, we, we, we forfeit that. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to. We don't want to endure. We throw off the, the word endurance in scripture means to remain under. It's like an Olympic, you know, power squat overhead press. If you try to get out from under that, you're going to get hurt. But the word endure means you remain under that weight because it's the most stable place wow. to be until the Lord himself comes and picks it up off of you. Endure to the end. Neil, come on in. Then uh, Janine after Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil, you're on calling the show. Calling Neil. Calling Neil. Janine. Neil yeah. Whoops. Good. Oops. Are we on? Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. All right. Yeah. There's a couple things here. Um, Jamie, you were talking about the word. You kept mentioning the word understand. And when you use that word in the word of God, most of the time it means, uh, I'm sorry, joy means understand. So if we as Christians understood everything, that would be our joy. But we don't. We think of it. We've, we've um, you know, created a, a different type of a Jesus, but we're not followers of him. And one of the books that I read many years ago was The Almost Christian Discovered. It goes, uh, was written back in, uh, by Matthew Mead. He was 1629 to 
I think 1699, that Almost Discovered Christian is a powerful book to uh, read, mm -hmm. and it'll sure humble you in a, in a, a second, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, we become, we say we're Christians, but we're not followers of Christ. And uh, it's, it's just true. Shallow. We've been told shallow Christianity. Clay, come on in. Thanks, Benjamin. Yeah, uh, you were talking about the comforts that we live under. Uh, so I want to tell you, when I used to pass this homeless guy on the way to work every morning. And when winter came, I'd see him walking down the road every morning coming out of the woods, and he was freezing. It looked like he was just so cold there would be ice on the ground. So one day I stopped. I wanted to give him a little bit of money. I wanted to give him some insulated boots, a, a, a winter jacket, and some insulated coveralls. And uh, he was so happy that he was getting some of these items, but he wouldn't accept the insulated coveralls. And that blew my mind. I couldn't understand that because he's sleeping in the woods. So I said, why don't you want the coveralls? And he said, I, don't, I, can't, I can only take what I can carry on my person. And he said, if I take those insulated coveralls, I'll have to tie them around my waist. I, don't, I, won't, I can't wear them all day or I'll get too hot. So, uh, and he said, and another thing is somebody will kill me for those coveralls in the middle of the night. Hmm. He said, so, uh, so, so here's the thing. I think we'll be better Christians if we live more like this guy. We take what we need and don't have all these extra creature comforts, and then we won't have so much to lose. Well, here's what I can assure you is the Lord is going to do, because we're, we haven't been uh, willing to do it willingly. I was trying not to use the same word twice in one sentence. That's all right. Because we have Better not been, we have not been willing to do that willingly. That is what the Lord's going to do in desperation. Well, desperately, we are unwilling to do. It. He's gonna, he's gonna take it. He's gonna strip us down to our lowest common denominator to where he will be our provision. He will be our bread. He will be our drink. He will be our protection. He'll be our our storehouse of treasures from which we have to draw from because we haven't been willing to do it. Wow. Neil, well, let's try to get in again. All right, thanks, Coach. I was crossing into enemy territory when you when you called on me. I was going into Illinois, but uh, earlier, um, you guys were talking about uh, hot or cold, like from the Book of Revelation, and I look at it a little bit differently. I, God says, I wish you were either hot or cold. I don't think He means cold towards Him. I think He means useful. Cold water is useful. It's good for a cold drink. Uh, if Chad's sleeping too long, you throw some in his face, he wakes up. You know, hot water is good for bathing or whatever, but lukewarm water is pretty much useless. I yeah, think that's the way I that that's the way I look at that. So thanks. Yep. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So spit you out. Dr. Paul. Yeah, I'm a I'm a corpsman that used to take care of your um lazy ass Marines. Anyway, <laughs> um I unfortunately became a doctor and because I wanted to remain taking care of people. And I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, it's been nothing but suffering my whole career. And I got to a point where I had this vision where I just, it just, it revealed why I suffered. And now I'm at this point and I'll tell you, anybody that has more testosterone, it's Reggie. Okay, we can say this what it is, but Reggie has more testosterone than most men I know. Okay, she'll go the distance. She doesn't care about dying. In fact, I, like her, would like to go today because I don't want to suffer anymore. But it's a fight, and I'm enjoying it. It's meaningful, and that's all that matters. And I guarantee you, I love what your, your message is. Thank you. Paul, you get a crown at the end of this thing. We don't realize well, this. Well, right? notice it says those who endure to the yeah. end yep. will receive the crown of life. And the reason why that is is because you see it through the Old Testament and the New Testament is, and, it, and really it testifies to it in the parable of the soils. People think those soils are identified as soon as the seed hits it. It's not. Okay. It takes a long time to, to be able to know and understand what the content of that soil yeah. is. Is it rocky? Is it hard? Is it going to be choked out? Is it going to be whatever? And what you see is that 
generally speaking, the majority of those who started out while honoring the Lord, Asa, Jehoshaphat, whatever the case is, it's in the later stages of their life that they reject the Lord. Mm. When their health goes, that's a big one. You see that all throughout scriptures is when their health goes, they start getting angry and embittered at the Lord. And generally when their kids don't turn out the way that they thought they were because of their religious spirit, because I did my duty, why are my kids... I was dutiful, Whoa. but it's because the kid, the Step children, on the, my toes, the, quit it. the children discern the heart. That's why, because the children are discerning. They always discern. Amen. Anyways, it's endurance. Amen. Roger, come on in. Oh, I was just going to ask, um, what in what in this world are we allowed to enjoy? Yeah, say it loud. Um, They're yelling here in the hotel. You know what? Are, what are we allowed to enjoy? You know, last night I was watching the basketball tournament and had a nice baked potato and a steak in front of me, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I thank God for me being allowed to have the money to, to take care of it. So I understand, I agree. I mean, the disciples all martyred their death for their faith, but are we not allowed, and does not Scripture talk about the ability to enjoy him? Um, is it all about the struggle? Is it all about warring? Not balance. It's all about yeah, I mean, balance. I, that's, 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 yes, because see. No, that's a good I, interjection, brother. That's a good, because it is true. That's a good interjection. Where did you learn that word, by the way? What's that? Interjection. That's a good one. I don't know. That's a good interjection. Go ahead. Um, that's, a, it, that's a big word, Jamie. What does that word mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no. It is like the Lord is good, and he's yeah. a good father. And what yeah. good father when his son asked for a fish, you know, gives him a snake or when he asks for a loaf of bread, gives him a rock. So don't, don't ever let our, it's, we're countering the complacency and the licentiousness and the dissipations of the majority of Christians, but it is not the removal of the goodness of the Lord. He gives good gifts. The Lord allows his people to be affluent in different ways because it serves the body and blesses the body. But I think it's the, the, the grip on your hands with which you hold whatever the Lord's given you. And like you said, Roger, like about just praising the Lord, if you're praising the Lord in all these things, he is being glorified in the, in the warm meal and the comfort of a bed, the safety of our home. Yeah. Praise God. As wicked as this country is, I'm so grateful for the freedom we get to enjoy right now. So I'm, so I'm thinking about this one, uh, Rod, real quickly. Uh, January 6th, that insurrection. Do you have any idea how many guys are still in jail today? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and do you know that they let that Jesse Smollett out? Did you guys see mm-hmm. that? Yeah. They let him out. Well, yeah. Well, Dave, you know, sometimes I don't want to wake up with a struggle, you know, <laughs> uh, does. Some, sometimes I want to just wake up and hold my wife's hand or sit down at the Thanksgiving table and have a big old turkey with my family. And right. I don't want to be fighting the culture. I don't want to be struggling. I don't think yeah. that is healthy to be 24 seven. Sometimes we need just to rejoice in our relationship with our Amen. Lord and praise him and be at peace, even in a troubled world. But I, I agree with the balance. We live too much an easy life. So I'm all in on that. Don't get yep. me wrong. No, I, I'm in total agreement. I think like a guy like Coach or myself is we're always countering the ones who don't get that, you yeah, know. Right, but right. the enjoyment of the Lord is huge. It's to, I mean, it's one of the most significant acts of spiritual warfare is to be filled with thanksgiving. It says it's a safeguard for your heart. like, And to just just rest in the Lord's goodness and in yeah. his yeah. you know, the, so It says good. in the scripture that the more they persecuted them, the more they prospered and grew. So if we really want to prosper and grew, grew, we really want to prosper and grow, it seems to me that persecution probably is pretty good for us, isn't it? Uh, yes, it needs, it. yes, it, it, it yes. And I look, I look, Roger, you know the stuff that I've been through. Yeah, and, quick follow. Look, where, ahead, look where, look at the end. This isn't Pat. Pat me on the back real quick, Kevin. <laughs> the impact that, that I'm having right now is because of what I went through. Do you understand yeah. that, folks? You understand it? This doesn't just happen. It's part of a training. And like a kid in two-a-day football practice, if I if the coach didn't make me do it, I'd have found an easy way out. I'm telling telling some of you what's holding you back. A lot of it, it's you. And you're going to have to make a decision. Are you in or are you out? Because if you ain't in or out, he's going to bump you right out of your mouth. All right? Huh? That's where we are, baby. We're in a war. Look quick, qu- Dave, quick question. Oh. The, the greatest generation. 
the greatest generation. Would we not say that during the greatest generation going forward, Christianity was lost in the country? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I want, I want, I want to be the greatest generation. Let's yep. turn it around, man. Let's turn around. Say we can't coach. It's too late. Yep. Occupy till I come, right? So let's see. God bless you. We'll see you all on Monday. Hey, by the way, hang on. Don't hang up yet. You can get to the live streaming if you want to. You still can order that online. It'll be a great, great event that you can have that live streaming forever and have people come over to your house and watch Jamie's uh, uh, talk and watch, watch the whole thing. Watch L.A. Marzulli. Watch all the presentations. I don't know. I think it's like 60 bucks or something. Folks, that ain't nothing. Best money you had ever spent. Yeah, and you can, you can share it with others and all that. So uh, be praying for us. We're going to rock the house here. God bless you. See you tomorrow or see you Monday.